is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, so this morning we're going to uh, continue our series looking at lessons from the life of David. Lessons from the life of David. And we've looked at his anointing for uh, kingship. Uh, We've looked at his unexpected yet successful battle with Goliath. And uh, today we move to life after Goliath. And uh, I had all sorts of titles going around my head for this week's uh, message. Uh, But that would be one of them, life after Goliath. So why don't we pray and then we're going to read some scripture together and see what God has for us. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we uh, want to thank you uh, for the life of David. Thank you for lessons that we're learning already. And we pray now that once again you would come and teach us from your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and be our teacher. Help us to understand what we read. Would you apply it to our lives? And Lord God, would you be uh, here right now? We ask it please in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at jealousy, crutches, and idols. There you go. Jealousy, crutches, and idols. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18, please. 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to read the first 16 verses together. 1 Samuel chapter 18, starting at verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. We'll stop there. 
There's lots in that passage and lots in these couple of chapters that we could look at. In a few weeks' time, we're going to look at, uh, at the friendship between David and, uh, and Jonathan. You can see that, that starting there as, uh, as Jonathan gives him even his sword and his bow and his belt. But we're going to skip that bit for the moment and we're going to come back to that uh, in a few weeks' time and look at Jonathan and how he features uh, here in the life of David. But today, as I said, we're going to look at jealousy, crutches and idols. So to start with, let's look at Saul's jealousy. Saul's jealousy. So we pick up the story here uh, shortly after David has fought Goliath and killed him. But David didn't know what was coming next, did he really? One minute he's fighting Goliath, there's great glory, great success. And the next minute he's fighting off spears, not from the Philistines, but from Saul, who's sort of lobbing them at him and uh, sort of playing target practice with David. He must have been pretty confused about what was going on. But you see, David's life changed after his encounter with Goliath. He hadn't gone out that morning looking for a career change. He'd gone out being obedient to his father, delivering his brother's packed lunch, not forgetting the cheeses for the commanders. He'd been obedient to his father in what he'd asked him to do. And ended up taking on Israel's number one enemy. And that had changed the course of things for him. Now obviously none of this was a surprise to the Lord. Because he'd already had Samuel anoint David for kingship. And God knew exactly what was going on. But for David, this is all, this is all change. And as we saw the other week, David's obedience in small things, leads to David's opportunity in the big thing. And so we see him defeat Goliath and everything changes around him. Suddenly he is at the centre of everyone's attention. He's got the limelight. In our day he would be all over the glossy magazines. As you, as you went into a newsagents, there they would be. You know, was it Hello and, and all the others like that. There would be David on the front and stories about him. And uh, about his family and about the latest thing he was wearing probably. And uh, everything about him would be featured there. He would be in the A list of celebrities. He would be invited to the best parties all the film premieres, there would be David walking up the red carpet. You know, he was the man of the moment here. Stories would be written about him. Celebrity interviews with Oprah, Oprah and all the others, you can imagine, can't you? You would want to be seen with him. Here is somebody who is clearly on the up. A bit like big lottery winners when unexpectedly they win all this money and their life changes overnight. Everything changed for him in that moment. And initially, David was submitted to Saul. He was, so, he was under his command. Verse uh, 5 of, of chapter 18 here tells us that uh, Saul gave him a high rank in the army because he was successful about what he did. And he was sent off to lead the troops in their campaigns. And this pleased all the people and it pleased Saul, Saul's officers as well. Everyone was delighted at David, or at least nearly everyone. Everyone, it seems, apart from 
Saul himself. So very quickly, David went from being submitted to Saul and under his authority to finding himself in opposition to him. And suddenly he'd become an enemy of Saul. Not by his own making. David didn't try to aggravate him at all. He was just being obedient. But in doing that, he found that he'd become Saul's enemy. Now, we'll see in future weeks that David worked hard to try and honour Saul. We'll see that in the next few weeks. But very quickly, Saul became jealous of David and his success. Now, he didn't like the women's songs about him. You know, Saul had killed his thousands, that's great. But David had killed tens of thousands. And suddenly Saul realises that, in his mind at least, David has become more popular. And in that moment, as Saul realises this, he has a choice to make. And the choice that he has to make is this. He needs to either choose joy or choose jealousy. Saul has to decide, does he choose joy or does he choose jealousy? And we see from the scripture we read that very clearly he chose jealousy. Think about how it could be for you for a moment. Maybe somebody at work. Maybe somebody junior to you. Maybe somebody you manage, perhaps. Almost overnight, they become very successful. They achieve great success. Their projects are the ones that are succeeding. Their ad campaign is the one that a client chooses and uh, produces great results. Their design is the one that gets put forward for an award. Their product development plan is the one the company chooses and, and sales shoot through the roof. Their new lesson plan engages those most difficult kids that you've tried to work with for the last year and haven't been able to. You can imagine it, can't you? How would it be for you? In that moment, you have a choice to make. Do you choose joy or do you, like Saul, choose jealousy? Jealousy, as we will see from how things pan out with David and Saul, is deadly. It leads to fear and worry and paranoia. That's certainly true of what happens to Saul here. It's deadly. It becomes a prison that traps you. Saul should have been leading Israel into great things. He should have been at the front of the army or sending the army out on many campaigns, leading them forward there, seeing great success. But instead, his focus changes. Saul's focus isn't anymore on the enemies of Israel, but rather his focus is on David and getting rid of him. His focus is on the wrong thing. You see, jealousy does that. It makes you focus on the wrong thing. He's now focused on destroying David, not leading the nation. Jealousy causes you to lose sight of what's right and what you should be doing. You lose your perspective. You end up making poor decisions. Jealousy does that and it consumes you. Joy, however, is quite different, isn't it? It's totally different. If you choose joy, you get to celebrate the success of other people. 
Their success gets to influence the team. And everybody can have a sense of victory in the moment. If you choose joy, you create an atmosphere around you that is joyful and encouraging. doesn't pull other people down. Isn't it interesting that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy? Love, joy, not love, joy, for those of you who like a certain program. Love, comma, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The joy is right up there at the top. This fruit of the Spirit, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, as you allow Him to, to work in you, He produces these characteristics in you. And one of those is joy. And joy is a great antidote to jealousy. Do you remember, we looked at it the other week, that we're told that the Spirit of God had lifted from Saul, who is now no longer empowered by the Spirit. And it seems that as the Spirit had gone, so had any sense of joy in his life. Now he was consumed by jealousy. And now David is in danger. Not from the Philistines, Israel's enemy, but from Israel's king, from Saul himself. Saul now starts throwing spears at him, but he'd done nothing wrong. He'd just been obedient to what he'd been asked to do. Maybe you've noticed that life is sometimes like that. You've just been obedient with what you've asked, been asked to do. You've done nothing wrong. You've been faithful to God. You've been faithful to the task that He's given you. You've worked hard. You've been obedient even when it's been difficult and tricky. You've hung in there. You know, you feel you, you've done all you could do. But now nothing seems to be going right. Ever been there? I guess most of us have been there. Well, right now, David's there. Right in the middle of it. But we see that actually it's God that is behind all this in David's life. It isn't that somehow things are out of control and the Lord is standing back thinking, oh, I hadn't imagined it would work out like that. But rather we're told that this evil spirit that afflicts Saul is from the Lord himself. God is carrying out his plans and his purposes, both in the life of Saul and in the life of David. And Saul is decreasing, and David now is increasing. And we get to see here that Saul, over the following chapters we'll look at in future weeks, becomes more and more consumed by jealousy towards David. And more and more, all his focus is caught up, not with the things he should be doing, not with dealing with Israel's enemies, not with leading the nation or leading out the army in battle, but rather with trying to destroy David. And this becomes his focus because he makes a poor decision. He chooses jealousy rather than joy. And I guess the lesson for us this morning, in this point at least, is this. In those moments, what do we choose? Because all of us will face situations like that. 
all of us will find ourselves in situations where those around us are seemingly doing really well. It's just going great for them. And right now it's hard for you. And that can be true in your personal life, in your family, in your work, in your friendships and relationships. In that moment, you get to make a choice. Do you choose jealousy or do you choose joy? And it's in that moment that the Holy Spirit can come to you and bring joy. It's in that moment if you turn to the Lord and say, God, would you help me right now? Would you help me to make a wise decision? Would you help me to respond well to this person? Would you help me to respond as you would like me to respond in this situation? In that moment, if you turn to the Lord and ask Him, He comes to you and the Holy Spirit comes to you and will bring joy. But do you notice it's not of your own making? It's a decision you make in terms of receiving something from the Lord by His Spirit. Friends, that should encourage us because God is abundant in these things, isn't He? Isn't he? It's true, isn't it? So he's got a whole load of joy. And you might be thinking, well, I just need quite a lot in this situation, a lot of grace right now <laughs> for this person, a lot of joy in it. And you, well, that's okay. Because God's got a whole lot of it. And delights to send his spirit to you and give you joy in order that you might then give it away to others and be that person in that situation. I want to encourage you this morning. And encourage all of us in those situations, in those conversations, in those moments, choose joy, not jealousy. But let's go on to look at some crutches. We find that David starts to lose all the support that is around him. Everything that had been going well for him is removed. And there are a number of things that as we read the account of David's life here, we can say, that's going well for him. That looks good. This is going great. And we can see over these couple of chapters that these things are slowly removed. They're taken away from him. So David has a good position. He's got a good position in the army. He's, he's, a, he's a senior leader. You think, oh, he's doing well. But we see a little bit later in some verses we didn't get to read that he has to flee and he loses that position that he had. We see a little bit later in, in these two chapters, 18 and 19, that, that David has to flee, he has to run. And in doing so, he loses his position, he loses his wife. She helps him escape and then turns her back on him. He goes to Samuel, thinking that maybe Samuel can help him probably thinking, well, Samuel got me into this mess. <laughs> He's the one that anointed me. Maybe he can help here. And he goes to Samuel, but it's discovered that he's with Samuel there, and he has to flee again. Even his closest friend, Jonathan, he, he loses. His self-respect, even. He ends up going to the king of his enemies, the king of Gath. Do you remember that's where Goliath was from? He ends up going to him and he pretends to be mad and this king sends him away. You think, gosh, what's happening to David here? All these things around him that have been going great 
start to be taken away. And you can see that these things that were around David had become like crutches to him. They'd become like crutches to his life. He'd learnt to lean on them, as you do with crutches when you're struggling to walk. But he lost them all. And the truth for us is that we can lose those things as well. Your friends, your job, your family, your home. All those things can go. Maybe it's a romance, the person that you thought was God's perfect partner for you has walked out of your life and you can't understand why. Maybe it's even your marriage, perhaps. Maybe it's your dream of something that you thought was going to happen. You were living for that, but now that dream is over. It's interesting we could call all those things crutches that support us crutches are not ideal are they if any of you have ever spent any time on crutches you'll know that they just get in the way they're meant to help you and they do do help you get along but you know you end up using them with your your arms obviously i wish i brought a pair with me to to demonstrate but they're not ideal are they i was on and off crutches for uh, quite a bit in my teenage years i had a knee that caused me a lot of aggravation and every now and then it would give out and I'd end up on crutches for a few weeks and go through a cycle every now and then. And uh, I can remember what it, was, what it was like being on them. You think, well, it's helped me to get around, but they're just getting in the way. They're not ideal. Because we're not designed, really, to, to live on crutches, are we? We're meant to ideally have two working legs that function well and support the rest of our body. Crutches are a substitute. They're a substitute for the best. They provide only temporary relief. And they don't actually solve anything, do they? Just by being on crutches doesn't make your leg better. It just takes some weight off it and helps you get around. Doesn't, they don't actually solve anything. And spiritually, this can be true as well. You see, spiritually... We can have crutches around us. They can become substitutes for God, substitutes for our relationship with Him. They keep you looking around to others and not up to the Lord Himself. Spiritual crutches offer only temporary relief from the pain rather than deal with the actual situation. But you know what? God doesn't do temporary relief. He's more interested in permanent solutions. So, what do you do? Well, you need to learn not to lean on the crutch, but rather lean on the Lord. And actually, that's the only thing that that we can do. Somebody once said, acknowledging you're weak is not a weakness. It's a great quote, isn't it? But it's true. Acknowledging that you're weak is not a weakness. Showing your weakness is not a weakness. Think about it for a moment. Paul, the Apostle Paul, could say this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He could say, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because in his weakness, he could receive and know God's strength. It's in that moment of weakness and vulnerability that Paul could say, in that moment, then I know God's strength. 
See, when things are going well for us, when we might feel that we're strong, it's in those moments we don't often rely on the Lord very much, isn't it? If we're honest, we think, okay, life's going okay here, I'm, I'm getting on fine, it's all, we might say, tickety-boo around us, things are, things are going fine. But it's when things start to go wrong or the things that we've learned to lean on start to be taken from us, that's when we get to see our vulnerability and our weakness. But friends, it's in those moments, just as Paul could say, it's in those moments that God's strength comes. It's in those times where you get to see and receive God's strength. Paul could say, when I'm weak, then I am strong. And my prayer would be that would be true for all of us this morning. We don't have time to read through all of chapter 18 and, and, and 19. You could read it at home if you've got the opportunity. But the story here in, in these chapters also features an idol. It features a statue that was worshipped. David's wife uses it to, uh, to try and deceive the soldiers that try and capture him. Stick it in his bed and say, oh, he's asleep. Not really, it's just a statue in there pretending to be him. But it's interesting how it features this idol. In British culture, in, in the 21st century, we can think that we don't have any idols. But we'd be wrong. So there's a place in the human heart which is reserved for God and God alone. It's that place of worship. It's that place where that which is of most importance to us resides. And all of us have got someone or something in that place. There is always someone or something there. The question is, who or what is there? It might be that, that the Lord is in the right place in your life, right at the very centre of things, right at the centre of your worship. God's seated on the throne, right where he should be in your life. And if that's the case for you this morning, that's great. I want to encourage you to keep him there. But it may be it's someone or something else. And if anything other than God gets in there, then that becomes an idol and means that God doesn't have his rightful place. Now, it might not be a statue for you, but it might be something else. It might be your car, your favourite football team, your favourite band or celebrity. Maybe even your job or another relationship. All these things can take the place of God and receive our worship. But do you remember what God said in Exodus 20? He said, you shall have no other gods before me. And you shall not make an image for yourself in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. It's pretty clear, isn't it? No other idols, no, no other gods before the Lord. No idols, nothing else that should take his place. Now, the challenge for us is this, if we don't remove that which has taken God's place, then he may remove it for us. Now, why, you might ask, have I talked about this after talking about crutches? 
What's the link here? What's the connection? Well, the connection is this. It's because crutches, those things that support us, can easily become idols. That's the real danger here. So I want to encourage you this morning, friends, don't allow anything which is a crutch or support to become an idol. We can think it was the, only the ancients that have problems with these things, problems with idols. We think of little gold statues maybe. We think maybe it's those of other faith traditions have, have idols. When I was in Cambodia earlier this year, there were idols everywhere. We saw them all the time. But idols are not just statues. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. And time and again, God says, don't make idols. Do not turn to idols. Don't let anything else take my place, he says. And so the question for us this is to look at our own hearts and say, are there any idols there? Has anything else taken the place that is rightfully the Lord's? Now, unfortunately, this check is not a one-time action. Actually, it's something we need to be doing regularly, looking at our own hearts, checking it before the Lord, asking whether anything else has taken God's place. How do you know if something else has taken God's place? As we begin to wrap up this morning, that's an important question to ask. How do you know? Sometimes it's hard to know your own heart, isn't it? Well, there are some ways you can tell if God's been pushed out. Ask yourself questions that are to do with time and energy and money. Things like how you spend your time, whether you look forward to meeting with God's people, whether you're giving time to serving the Lord, whether your energy is focused towards things of Him and His kingdom, how your giving is doing, whether you're financially committed to, to giving to the Lord. How you spend the rest of your money. Whether you be described perhaps as a cheerful giver, to use the phrase the Bible uses. You see, answering all those questions will give an insight into how your heart is. Whether perhaps something else has taken the place that is reserved for God and God alone. So as we finish for this morning, let's just go back to our first point. Are you choosing jealousy or are you choosing joy? At any moment you get to make the choice. You get to choose jealousy or joy. This week, in situations you face at home, at work, with friends, will you choose jealousy or will you choose joy? I want to encourage you this morning. Choose joy. Choose joy. Receive the Spirit. Ask Him to grow fruit in your life, including joy that He wants to bring to you. Don't be jealous of other people's success. Make sure you're not relying on the wrong things and there aren't any idols in your own heart. And in every moment, don't choose jealousy, but choose joy. Amen? Can we stand together? And I'm going to pray as, uh, as we close our time together this morning.
Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the life of David. Thank you for the lessons that we're learning from it. And Lord, so much in these chapters that we could look at. And we've looked at just a few things this morning. And I want to pray now, God, that you would um, help us to uh, understand what we've looked at and um, the things we've considered. And Holy Spirit, I pray now that we would choose joy over jealousy at every opportunity. Lord, situations that we find ourselves in, even today or even in the days ahead this week, we, we pray, God, that you would help us. Help us not to choose jealousy, but to choose joy. Help us to rejoice in the success of others, not to be jealous of them. Help us, Lord, to create uh, that positive, joyful, encouraging, heavenly atmosphere around us that loves to see others blessed. And Lord, as we do that, thank you that, that we get a blessing in it as well. We get to be, be part of that. Lord, help us when it's difficult, please. Help us when there's a challenge in it. And Lord, I pray too that you would help us not to rely on other things around us, but Lord, always to rely on you and you alone. And then we pray that there wouldn't be anything else that would come into our hearts and take the place that is reserved for you and you alone. Lord, help us to examine our own hearts before you. And uh, Holy Spirit, help us to do that honestly. And help us, Lord, to, uh, to respond and deal accordingly with what we find. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to make Jesus the very center of all that we are and all that we do as we seek to live for him and his kingdom. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd be with us this week. I pray for uh, everyone here, Lord, those who are away this weekend as well. We, we pray for good holidays and good breaks for those who are away with family or friends. Lord, we, we pray for one another that you'd be upon us and with us this week. Help us to live for you, to glorify you, and to choose joy at every moment. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.